Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. So we have a 360 God that goes before us. He's behind us. He is beside us. He is everywhere. How many of you know about, I'm just getting into things that I just wrote down. I'm just going to kind of flow today a little bit. Uh, We're going to be in a two-part series. But how many of you, there's an app my kids were showing me at school, Life 360. How many of you, maybe you use that, some of you use that. Life 360, where you as a family, you can communicate together, but my kids don't like it too much because their parents can monitor where they are all the time, right? I have any younger people in here, your parents monitor where you are. They know you're at a store. They know you're at a movie. You're at a friend's house you're not supposed to be at. They can find out through Life 360 how hard you press the brakes when you drive. Oh my gosh. But I bring that up because you have a God who is 360, and he's everywhere, and he's monitoring us, and he knows who we are, and he knows the situations that we're in, and he says, I got you covered. He's got us covered. Isn't that good news? Well, we're going to get into it, and you see the title of my series. Let me roll into it. The Road to Resilience. How many of you love that word, resilience? I worked really long and hard this week. I was going back and forth uh, with different words and trying to really come up with a title. Uh, this is a, a passage of Scripture. We're going to be in Acts 27 and 28. We're not, it's going to take me a little bit of time to get there. But this has been a passage that I've been in for a long time, and I didn't really know. And I, I said, you know, I can't preach it in one week. I have to preach it in two. So I'm breaking it up. The best part, I think, is in the, in the 28th chapter. But we'll see if you like any of this. You'll love next week because it's going to be a lot of fun as we hang out with the Apostle Paul. Any of you, you like to be on the water? And Do I have any, a, any boaters in the house, people that like the water? You know how to navigate? Really? I have like two or three people in the house. That's it? Well, if you don't like rough seas, you better take some Dramamine before we get into the story. Ushers, you have any Dramamine? I'm talking spiritual Dramamine. The waves are going to get rough. Can you handle it? Are you ready to go into a storm? That song I heard this morning, sing a hallelujah right in the midst of the storm. Get louder and get louder and louder in the midst of the storm. Loving that. Love that song too as well. I don't know how many of you saw in the news this past week. Uh, My sister had passed this story along. uh, It was incredible. Uh, It was this past weekend at the Ivy League Indoor Championship Uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And the picture you see there in the front is a Harvard junior by the name of Kieran Tuntivate. Now, he is running in the 3,000-meter race here in these Ivy League championships, right, last weekend. And you can see he's leading the pack 300 meters into the race. His shoe falls off. Well, the guy in front of him kind of stepped on it, and then he like, just really kicked it off to give you the full story. So he kicks the shoe off, only 300 meters in. He continues to run the race, and he's leading the race. He said he was in so much pain as he came to the final few laps. Can you imagine running a race with only one shoe? What? 
Here's his face too. He's getting, he's getting close to the end. He's grimacing because he's running on one foot and he's ripping his toes up and his whole foot. And now I have to give you a little message. If you get squeamish, I have to give you a disclaimer. This sermon contains graphic images. So if you don't want to see a graphic image, y'all better close your eyes. You ready for this? Who's going to close their eyes? Who can't watch it? This is what his foot, you want to see what his foot, maybe I'm not going to show you. Whatever, I'll get to the sermon. Anyway, you want to see it? This is what his foot like, looked like after the race. Are you kidding me? Look at that dude's foot. Hey, hey, listen. Hey, family, listen. He won the race. The dude won the race. Here's the best part. I haven't given you the best part yet. Well, they said, and I looked all over the place, maybe somebody that is more technologically savvy than I am. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find the video, but I read in one of the stories uh, a different one. Jen, Jen, did you know that a trainer picked him up after the race? He was in so much agony, collapsed. The trainer picked him up and brought him over because he couldn't even move anymore. I need a picture of that. Don't have one. I wrote to, I have a student who's at Harvard, and I said, you need to get me a picture of that. I said, that's your job. Remember everything I did for you? And I wrote you recommendations, and you got in Harvard. Well, you're going to get that picture for me, girl. Anyway, so here's the best part. He had to race the next day. That's what his foot looked like at night. He still had the race in the 5K, 5,000 meters, and he just happened to win that too. This was his Instagram account. I looked it up. I'm loving Instagram. I'm start- Did you, y'all know, by the way, that we use Instagram now? You can look up and even hear what the, you know what the message is going to be. We put stuff on there. Melanie does it. She does a great job. I can't do it. I'm not that smart. So he wrote, Things don't always go to plan. How many of us know that's the way life is sometimes? Did everything, hey Mike, did everything go to, pl- go to plan for you? It did? I don't want to talk to you, man. Dana, did everything go to plan for, no? My wife just said to me, right, sick of being mediocre. Look at some of the hashtags this dude had. Here's the word, though, that for me summed it up. Resilience. How resilient this guy. The training, the persistence, the endurance. You know what? I got to be honest with you. I'm not as caught up anymore the older I get and the longer I do this with people who start things by faith. I'm more impressed by people who can finish what they start. I'm more impressed by someone that says, you know what? Yeah, I started it five years ago and it's really hard, but I'm going to see it through and I'm going to finish it to the end. When I see people up on a stage, they've been doing it for over 20 years and they say, God is still calling me to do this and I'm not going to stop. People that are working with our kids next door and they say, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going. Not impressed with people who start and then they just, whatever, and they lose steam a couple of months ahead. Welcome, family. This is a marathon. This is a strong marathon. And I'm just going to, I feel the, Lord, 
Lord, I just pray right now, Father, we need a spirit, Lord, to invade us, a resilient spirit. Lord, we want to be people that endure. We want to be people that fight the good fight, that finish our race, Lord, and we keep the faith. We know the storms of life are going to rage. We know the waves are going to rage. We know hurricanes are going to try to hit us. Lord, we know the enemy is going to do everything he can possibly do. But Father, we are going to follow you. And Jesus, we're going to follow your example, the example you set when you picked up a cross and you took it to Calvary and you sat up on that cross, even though legions of angels you could have called down and you forgave people. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing doing. Lord, may we have that spirit of endurance. Oh, Lord, do something even for us in this two-part series. Lord, may we see you in a new way. Father, do something inside of us that we don't just become a people that drift along in our Christian faith and accept what we see in front of us. Lord, we want to see the impossible, Lord, happen. We want to see miracles. We want to see your spirit move. We don't just want to go through the motions of coming to church and not being changed from the inside out. Oh, Lord, do something inside of us. Amen. Do something. How many of you want that to be the case? How many of us want that to be the case? I love what, I love what the writer of Hebrews says. Look at this. 1036, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. We need to persevere and run our race and keep moving. What does the writer say right after the hall of faith in chapter 11? What does it say in chapter 12? Two of the, uh, my all-time favorite verses, and I'm sure for many of you, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, did you realize who you're surrounded by as you're here as a Christian on this planet right now? The witnesses, the people that went on before us? No? Yes? I hope so. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. There it is. With perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't you love it? Who loves the word, man? Who loves the word? This is God's word to us. Writes his word to us. And he says this here in this passage, and that's what we're going to look at. Is any, could anybody use a little more resilience in their life? Yes. Could you a little bit? Maybe just a tiny bit? And let me give you the backdrop for what we're going to get into in terms of, uh, we're going we're to look at, I told you, at Acts 27. Actually, you know what? Even before I do that, I'm just going to change it a little bit. When you, when you hear that word resilience, what do you really think of? You think of somebody that has a little bounce back, don't you? Right? Somebody that has, a, like, they have, they, they, some, they get hit with things, but they bounce back. I love how the general George Patton put it. This is what he said. He said, I don't measure a man's success by how high he climbs, but how high he bounces when he hits bottom. How true is that? It's so easy when everything is going well up here, but do we have any rubber band people in the house? Do I have any rubber band people in the house? That you get stretched and you feel like you're stretched beyond your limits, but somehow you bounce back and you know that greater that is in you than he that is in the world. You know who lives inside of you. Come on, church. 
Come on. And so he said this. And, and how about we spend some time with the Apostle Paul? Is there a more resilient character in the whole Bible? Is there a more resilient person? By the time that guy gets knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus, the rest of his life, the whole trajectory of his life changes. And he talks about, I didn't put it up here, but I just want to tell you, did you know that he was stoned multiple times? Did you know that he was shipwrecked three times? This guy has been through everything. The Jews tried to kill him. I don't remember. Was it three times? Five? I think it's five times. The Jews tried to kill him. He was out uh, one night at sea, one night and one day out at sea. He says, I know what it's like to, be, to, to, ha- to have no clothes, to be naked. I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to be on the run. I know when people are coming after me, bandits, people are all over the place. They want to take me out. I know what it's like, but I am resilient. Because he knew who his God was and he knew the plan that God had for him. And he said, I'm going to stay the course, church. In this day, in this hour, we're going to need a spirit of endurance and resilience for everything that we see coming against us. It's time, it's high time for us to say we're not going to just drift along in life, but we're going to take this thing serious and we're going to really take charge in our, excuse me, in our faith. Right? Come on. It's important. All right, so Acts 27 I'm going to give you a, here's a, here's a map of the, the journey that Paul's going to be on. And he actually starts, I don't know, this is, what the heck, I think I, I did that. All right, all the way on the right, he's going to, let me give you the, the context because you don't really fully get it when I give you the verses. And I pulled out key verses. So he is in Caesarea, a place called Caesarea. It's a coastal city, a Jewish coastal city. And he's in prison there. Now... The Jews at this point in his story, so this is like 60 AD, at this point in his story, the Jews are looking to kill him. They want to bring him back to Jerusalem. They want to try him. Paul has been, again, he's been through everything you could possibly imagine. The Jews want to take him out because he's preaching this gospel about Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected on the third day. So the Jews want to bring him back to Jerusalem. They want to try him. They want to execute him. He is already, he is a Roman citizen. This is interesting as we read the text, giving you the proper historical context. He is a Roman citizen. He has went before a couple of Roman leaders and he's pleading his case. And you know why I love this dude? Because you can kind of miss this. He's preaching the gospel to everyone and anyone that he can. He doesn't care who you are. He's going to preach the gospel. Whether he's free or he's in chains in a prison cell, he's going to preach the gospel. And in his mind, this is what he says, as a Roman citizen, I am entitled to get my case heard before the Caesar. So he says, I am going to go to the most important place on the planet And I am going to have my case heard before the most prolific man on the planet. Caesar will hear my case. And I will be able to, in his mind, persuade Caesar of who Jesus Christ is and give him the gospel. Wow. Easy to miss when you read this. And I wouldn't expect that you would just... But that's the context of what's going on. So he is on a wooden ship that is heading out to Rome. Are you ready? You on the ship? It's good right now. I don't see any waves right now. I think you're okay now, but in a few minutes, I think we might hit some stormy seas and hope you can hang in there. So here we are. We start out in verse 9, right? We're going to walk along. So it says in verse 9 and 10, much time, bless you, much time had been lost. 
And sailing had already become dangerous because by now, it was after the Day of Atonement. Now, I have one thing to say. Where, where is Ted Patron? Ted, Ted, I heard your message. I, I, I sat with a Jewish rabbi. I asked my Jewish friends, Yom Kippur. I never heard anybody say Yom Kippur. I don't know. So your Jewish friends in the city should hook up with my Jewish friends and they should have a fight about what the Day of Atonement, really, how you pronounce Yom Kippur. The rest of you are like, what's going on? That's what this is right now. I just had to throw that out there. So after the Day of Atonement, so we know from history, we know this is at some time in the fall. This is a dangerous time according to what we know from geography, according to what we know from history and and all the weather patterns. This would have been pretty crazy for them to take off at this point. Again, something that's easy to miss. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Okay, let's get rid of this guy. Would you want that guy on your boat? You want the guy that gives you this grim prophecy, something's going to happen on the boat? Though I asked you how many people are are big boaters in the house here, and I didn't really get many. You know, we see all those stickers all the time, right? I'd rather be sailing. How many of you see those all the time? I saw one when I was in Florida. Made me think of this sermon, right? You see those? But you know what I've never seen? I've never seen a sticker that says, I wish I was shipwrecked. (laughs) Have you ever seen one of those? I wish I was sailing. I wish I was shipwrecked. And you know what? I look at the Apostle Paul and his life. He was shipwrecked multiple times. And I think he would say to us today, it was in the moments, not when I was sailing and the winds weren't contrary and the sun was shining. It's when the winds were contrary and the waves were real strong. And I didn't know if I was going to make it. That's when I got in touch with God and I knew who he was and I knew that he had my back. He knew what it was like to be shipwrecked. He knew what it was like to live through incredible storms. And he's not, listen to me, he's on a, I told you, he's on a, he's not on a cruise ship. He is not on the Royal Caribbean or the Princess cruise ship that you were on at some point. And he's not sipping wine, getting ready to go to Rome. I've always wanted to go to Rome and hang out and see everything. No, he's on, he's a prisoner on a ship. You have to see this. He's a prisoner on a wooden ship and he's sailing to Rome and he's with 275 other people and the weather doesn't look good. The conditions don't look too good. Did you ever notice in life, isn't that usually the case? How often are conditions really good? Rare. Would you agree with me? Rarely in our lives are the conditions really good. And so he warns the whole crew. He's warning everybody there. And then look what he says in verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening, so he is the one that is in charge of these prisoners. And I have to say this too. As a Roman, as a guard, if you did not deliver your prisoners from point A to point B and somehow they escaped, you would be held liable for that. So this is a big deal for this guy. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Now, We know who the Apostle Paul is. So let me ask you something. You're a boater. Who would you, am I going to follow the boat people? My friends who like Robin, Suzanne are big boaters. Am I going to follow them? Or would you follow me if you were on a boat? Who are you going to follow? You're in church. I'm I'm a pastor in your church, right? I mean, who are you going to follow? 
Why are you going to follow them? You're right. It's not a trick question. Some of you are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say right now. No, no, that's the right answer. You're supposed to follow the people that know what to do on the boat. I wrote in my notes, of course he listened to him. Why am I going to listen to the guy that's a prisoner and he's shackled? Dude, pipe down. I'm not listening to you. I don't know who you are. I'm going to listen to the guy that has the nautical experience, that has maps and knows what it's like to sail on the high seas. Right? Of course. Of course. Not listening to the prisoner. And it's interesting because he's on the boat because he's fulfilling the purpose of God, right? You know, you know that, right? This is all part of God's purpose and what he wants. And this boat that we're talking about that he's on, it's a metaphor for our own lives. Every one of us, we have our own boat that we're on. How many of us would be honest today, this morning, and say, you know what? Yeah, a lot of times we're apt to listen to the voices of the other people on the boat over God's voice. So many times we're apt to listen and take advice from everybody under the sun except God. And there are all these voices that are vying for attention. And here is the apostle Paul, and he's talking to the situation. And I want to say to these guys, the voice that we listen to, the voice that we believe determines the future we're going to experience as people. Who are you going to listen to? And so often, we are listening to the voices and assessments of other people, what they think we are supposed to do. And here's a problem, too, I see in the text. Are we going to be steered by our senses, or are we going to be steered by the Spirit? It's a rhetorical question. Are we going to be steered by what we can see with our eyes? If we want to experience the impossible, then we have to see the invisible. We have to see it. We have to see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have to, we have to see it, and we have to believe that God is actually doing something, and we have to be moved by his spirit. And so many times I feel like as Christians, we're just moved by what we see with our natural eyes. And then we, we, we get, our faith gets capsized and we shipwreck because we're just trusting with what we see with our natural eyes. And God is saying, you can't live like that to have an authentic life of faith. You have to have persistence and you have to trust the spirit. The longer I do this too, it's more of a trust that there is another life that lives inside, that the Holy Spirit can really come into a meeting like this and he can move things and he can change things. I want to just get out of the way because I don't want you to listen to me. I don't have anything to tell you. I want you to listen to the God that lives inside of me and hear his voice. Don't you, isn't that what you want to hear? I don't have any great wisdom for you. All I can do is sit with God and then just try to hear his voice and then hopefully some of that comes out and it makes a little bit of sense in your life. That's all I can do. I don't know what else to do. So we're moved so many times by our senses, what we can see. And then I even, I look in the Bible. How many things don't make sense? Do you ever read the Bible and things just don't make sense? Come on. Yo, Noah, go build an ark. What? An ark? Yeah, these are the dimensions. 
Did it make any sense to know to build the ark? Hey, Moses, take your staff and put it down on the Red Sea. I'm going to part it. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. That sounds reasonable. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, Daniel, I want you to continue praying, even though the king has issued an edict. Just continue praying and get on your knees. And who cares? Because you know what? They're only going to throw you in a lion's den if they catch you. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. Yo, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't bow, don't bend, don't go down and bend, because you know what? It's okay. The furnace won't really hurt you. What? Doesn't make any sense. Yo, Esther, go before the king, and if you perish, you perish. A lot of stuff in the Bible doesn't make any sense, and that doesn't make any sense to me. When he went on a cross, did that make any sense? takes the foolish things of this world and he confounds the wise and the people that think they know and understand everything. God says, sometimes things don't make sense and I'm starting to believe that even for me, I have to jump out and I have to take leaps of faith sometimes and trust God that he's moving in a certain situation and he's calling me. I'm not saying making stupid decisions. I'm saying if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is telling us to do something, I better listen. I got to preach harder today. No, no, harder. I feel it. I have to preach harder today. That's okay. That's all right. T.L. Osborne. I was reading a book. I don't even know how. I read one book all week. I usually read a lot. I read more when I'm home and I'm busier. You know, when you got the kids and it's a little bit harder and Mickey's stalking you. Well, I read one book and this was a quote I pulled out and I've just been perseverating on this, ruminating on it all week. Faith is doing what God tells us to do than expecting God to do what he tells us to do. Faith, yeah, you got it. Faith is doing what God tells us to do. I didn't put it up than expecting God to do what he tells us to do. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience, just putting it another way, obedience is ours. Obedience is our responsibility, but we trust in him, we obey him, and if we obey what he tells us to do, then we should believe that he will actually do what he's asked us to pray for or to do. That's faith. The problem is many of us don't really believe that. The problem is many of us don't really believe that because when you look at this text, look, let's go on a little bit further. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, I'm praying down a Nor'easter tonight, right? Swept down from the island, right? Listen, I don't know much about sailing, boats, any of that stuff, but I did watch A Perfect Storm and I did watch Castaway. Okay. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Now wait, I underline that. I underline that phrase because it hit me like a ton of bricks. You mind if I read it again? Because Paul says it again. So he says it here in 16 and 17. As we passed the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they were going to run aground in the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. And I got to stop right here. I feel like, and I heard this during the week, that so many of us are just being driven along. Our faith is just kind of going like this. 
and we're coasting and we're kind of just being driven along and we don't even really know what's going on and that love that we had at one point, that love that we had for God, it's, it, it, maybe it's evaporated and we're not where we used to be and we're kind of drifting along and maybe we come to church and we go through the motions and I know there are people in here right now and if that's how you feel, that's okay because I don't want you to hide from your feelings. I don't want you to hide from your emotions but I do want you to know that there is a God that can come in today and he can rearrange our lives and you don't have to walk out of this place feeling like you are just driven along by everything that is happening in your world and that you are just gonna be somebody that's an addiction for the rest of your life and I'm just going to be depressed because that's just the way it is and I'm just going to be in addiction because that's the way it is and I'm never going to lose weight and I'm just going to be like my parents well guess what you're being driven along and God says you don't have to be driven along like that I can come in and change that situation the same God who created everything can change it got to speak some faith into our situations and speak life into our situations. The power of life and death is in the tongue. We have to speak that over our situations and our lives and speak his promises. He has given us his last will and testament. He has told us everything that is in there and he's looking for a people that will stand on his promises. He has signed a check and he's told us what's in it and he said the check is blank. Whatever I have is yours. Man, I love his word. I don't know what you lost today. I don't know what you lost, but it's time you get it back. Who wants to get back what you've lost? Stop looking at what you lost, what you had when you were 16, what you used to have in this relationship in your marriage. Why can't it be the way it was? Listen, sometimes it's never going to be the same. And stop sitting there crying about all the things that you lost and what happened when you were a child. Yeah, you got to deal with some of those moments and you got to get emotional healing. But stop looking at everything and saying, why can't it go back and be the way it was? Because God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Who wants a new thing in their life? Right? Something new. Something new to happen. And then Paul goes on. You enjoying this story with Paul? It's a pretty great... Listen, I'm telling you again, this is just the beginning. It's just the appetizer. You want to come back next week for the surf and turf. We shook. We took such a violent battery from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. I mean, look how bad it is. It wasn't too bad when we first took off. Now, these guys are fearing for their lives. They're throwing everything over the boat. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days... Many days. Anybody in here, you feel like you've been in a storm and you haven't seen the sun or the stars for many days? You feel like that's you? Come on. No one wants to be real today in church. You give me a church face. That's okay. (laughs) Storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being... Now, who is writing Acts? Because I forgot. Chris, who's writing Acts? Who wrote this? Who wrote this? Luke. Luke. Okay. What is Luke? He's a physician, right? And he's kind of like an historian, right? And documenting all this. So he's a doctor. I got a, problem with, I got a problem with Luke. You know what my problem is? Jack, you know what my problem is with Luke? Look what he says there at the end. This bothered me all week. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. We, hey, Luke, speak for yourself. Speak for the other prisoners. 
But last time I checked, you have the Apostle Paul on your boat, a man who wrote almost a third of the New Testament. So if y'all want to feel this way and you want to be depressed and despondent and dejected and cry because you're a baby, you go ahead and do that. But don't include yours because the Apostle Paul, I don't think he was feeling what you're feeling. So the storm keeps raging and they finally give up hope of actually being saved, and they're just drifting along. Just drifting. You enjoy drifting along in life? Anybody really enjoy it? You enjoy drifting along? I don't think so. And then look what he says in 21. After they had gone a long time without food, my man, get ready, here it is. Paul stands up. So the guy that was the prisoner that nobody wants to listen to, now he stands up and he has some, men, you should have taken my advice. Pause right there. I, you know, when I was reading it and my wife's on it, I felt like Paul like, was like a woman here because I often hear that from my wife. You sh- men, come on now. How many men in here can attest? You have heard that multiple times when your wife, I see Lee, stre- Lee, I saw you stretching, brother. I know you were agreeing with me. And your wife said to you, you should have listened to my advice. Come on. I just caused all marital problems for people today. <laughs> people go home. Don't, don't fight with each other, right? Love, love, love. So here he is, and I, I love this. He says this to them, and I don't, again, I don't, know what you, I don't know what you lost. So they threw everything off, and they lost stuff. Maybe you've lost some stuff. Maybe you've lost people too, people that were close to you. Maybe you lost brain cells. I don't know. Whatever you lost, you have to trust. You have to trust that he's bigger and can do amazing things in your life. He can do it. And now he says, I didn't even finish, right? Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Do you hate when people are like, I told you so. I told you that was going to happen. And then look at this. This is the best part. If you're looking for the best part of this Part of the series, I think right here. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. They're in the middle of a storm. I mean, this is a bad storm. These wooden ships were known to just break apart. I mean, these aren't like the ships that like you see today. So this ship is in the storm and it's going to break soon. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Woo! It's great. Not one of us will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Okay, thanks, Paul. Last night, now I love this, here it is. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Somebody walk in here with fear over a situation and you have a storm raging in your life? He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of what? Sound mind. What else? Yes, pal, up at a sound mind. Here we go, church. You can talk back to me. It's okay. And last night, an angel of the God said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And here it is. And God has graciously, graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up, here it is. Keep up your courage, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. What would you have said if you heard the Apostle Paul say, listen, guys, 
Just as God said it was going to happen, it's going to happen. And I want to speak into the atmosphere right now. And there are some things that God said are going to happen in your lives. And they will happen regardless of what you see with your eyes. You have to believe that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in the end. He's a faithful God. He doesn't start stuff and just kind of throw it to the... He finishes what he starts. And Paul is trying to tell these guys. And it kind of even makes me think of Mary and Martha in John 11 when Lazarus dies. You remember that scene? And what happened? Lazarus has been dead for a couple of days. And there are Mary and Martha. And I'm sick of Mary getting so much love. Martha needs to get a little more love. I love when Martha goes up to him. Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't be dead. You could have saved. You could have made all. You did. None of this had to happen. But then she says, even now. Even now that we have an even now, God, despite what has happened before, even now you can change the atmosphere. Even now you can change the situation in our lives. Even now, even now, Lord. And I don't know, I I look at this story too, and, and I think about, these guys, they, they, they put so much hope in the boat, didn't they? How many of us are putting our hope in something that can be destroyed? You know what happens to our faith? I mean, not to go too deep into this, but uh, come on. When we put our hope in things that life can, de- things in this world can destroy, it actually hurts our faith. Because we're putting our faith in things instead of putting our faith in someone. And if we put our faith like Paul in the one who created him and the one who said, you're going to get on this boat and I'm going to see it through, it will happen and you will get to the other side. It may not happen the way that you wanted it to happen. It may not have happened the way you scripted it up. But listen, I'm going to get you to the other side. Don't worry about it. And for us, so many of us, we're putting our faith and we're focusing on something that can be destroyed. And God says, don't even ask about how I'm going to do it. I'm a way maker and I make a way sometimes and it may not make sense to you. Stop looking at how I did it before. Stop thinking about how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. And I do think sometimes in a weird, strange way and you can't figure it out, but you're a finite being and I'm God and I'm infinite. Stop asking so many questions and just trust me. Be obedient, right? Be obedient. Be obedient. And then we're we're getting, music team, you can come up in a minute. I told you I broke it up into two parts because I didn't want to kill you. I mean, the best, I want to go to Malta today, but you got to go to Malta next week. If you don't come here next week, I'm just telling you, you're going to hear, wow, that was really cool about Malta. You missed it. You're going to miss it. Okay? That's all right. If you want to miss it, that's okay. We're just going to talk about it the whole next week about what you missed. Okay. So they're putting their hope in the boat and he says, keep up your courage in verse 24. Keep up your courage. And I want to say that to people here today. Maybe you're a single mom in this room today and the apostle Paul would say to you, keep up your courage. You didn't know that was going to happen. You never expected. Maybe you thought you'd be married by now. Keep up your courage. Maybe you thought your kids would be in a different place right now. Keep up your courage. You thought you'd have a different job. You thought you'd have more money in your bank account. Keep up your courage. This is a fight. Where is the resilience? 
We got to be resilient, saints. Got to be resilient. Keep up your courage. And then he says, look at this. Look, I love this. All this is going to happen. You must stand trial before Caesar. Keep up your courage, man. I have faith in God that it'll happen just as he told me. And then look at this. Look at verse 26. Nevertheless, we must run aground in some island. You have to see the humor in that. You could read it and not laugh. I was laughing all week. He says this whole thing, he's building them up, and it's like William Wallace, Braveheart, right? And he's giving them the speech, and it's going to happen, and God says it's going to... Nevertheless, we're going to run aground somewhere. Oh, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks for being the bearer of good news. Who is this guy again? Get this guy off the boat as soon as possible. Come on, y'all. If you were on the boat, would you want this guy on your boat with you? He's a little off. He's a little weird. I mean, who knows what his face looks like? He's been beaten so many times, hit with rods. We have this image of Paul. Listen, listen, listen. listen. Paul Paul wasn't that attractive. Sorry. Come on now. Come on now. Paul didn't look like Tommy. Tommy, you're handsome. He didn't look like Tommy. Paul was not a good-looking guy. <laughs> anyway, all right, you're like, okay. And then let's get to the end here. And we see in, in verses 40, dropping down to 41 to 44, and then I'm done here. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The boat stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. Paul has saved their lives at this point, Okay. What is his reward for saving the lives of the other 275 people on the ship? Death. That is your reward, Paul. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely are you kidding me with this? Are you kidding me with this? Do you realize what this is? What did this look like? Come on, put yourself on the shoes here. There is a raging storm. The ship is broken up into pieces. You don't know if you're going to live. And you have to get out of the boat. And you have to give it everything you have and swim to shore. And I felt like God was saying this week to tell you, listen, family, get, listen, listen close that we are to swim to shore. You're to do the breaststroke. You're to do the backstroke. I don't care if you have to doggy paddle. I don't care what you have to grab onto, but you are to make it to shore because he said it will happen and everyone will make it and no one will be lost. I feel the spirit of Nemo coming on me. Keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming. Why do you think they make those movies so the wee preachers can have sermon illustrations? I'm serious. And I'm thinking about it. Listen, this was a picture I just found online. And I was crying when I saw this picture. Because I said to myself, what was it like for the Apostle Paul to jump out of that boat and to say, no matter what it takes, God has said he's going to see me through. He's going to finish this. I'm going to make it to the shore. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to get caught up. I don't care if my feet get caught, you know, caught up. I don't care what happens to my body. I am going to make it. And some people in here, listen. I know, and I said it earlier. Some of you have been pounded by the surf. 
You've been pounded and you feel like you're in the water and you're just getting hit by wave after wave after wave and you don't know how much more you can take. And God says, keep swimming, keep trusting, don't give up, don't give in, keep moving ahead because I'm gonna see you through but you have to trust me and put one arm in front of the other. Friends, this isn't a time to give up. This is a time to dig deep. The harder it gets on Wednesday night when you don't want to come out to a meeting and you don't, your body says, I'm really tired, that's when you tell your body, we're jumping out of the boat and I don't care if I have to crawl to get to a meeting. I'm going to crawl and get to that building if I have to. That nothing is going to stop me. And listen to me, enemy, you can't stop me. It's not going to happen. The enemy can't stop us. We're going to continue to move ahead in our purpose and our destiny. Why don't we stand up? Come on, I'm done. Why don't we stand up? <clears throat> we got no sound. That's all right. We don't need to. We'll just start singing right now. Why don't we sing that last song we sang? Okay. Sing a hallelujah. I don't need music. I don't, you think the enemy's going to stop us from singing this song? The enemy knows we're just preaching a message about seeing something through. It's going to happen that we finish this and we're going to praise and worship him right now before we leave this place. No matter what our bodies feel like, I don't care what your body feels like. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care what happened last week. You're here right now in the presence of God and it's time for us to end this the way we started this. What do we got? You got some music? Why not sing that song to close out? You want to close out with that song? Sing a hallelujah. We're going to Malta next week. Wait till you, so many, I don't know. I've never heard a sermon on it, but it's great. There's so much in that text. And we're going to get to the snake. There's a snake that's there and there's going to be a viper and in the fire. It's going to latch onto him. And these natives that the, in the original text, they're called, they're really barbarians. And these barbarians are going to be kind of shocked that the snake is going to grab hold of Paul and Paul's going to shake off the viper right back into the fire. How many of you are coming back next week to hear part two? You coming back? You want to hear part two? Uh, Like 10 of you. All right. That's all right. How many of you are coming back? How many of you are coming back? Come on now. Come on now. Let's go. Let's go, Steve. Let's go. Let's raise a hallelujah, Steve. Let's raise a hallelujah. Come on. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.